So, the slap. <laughs> the slap that was heard around the world. It's uh, Someone said yesterday Twitter had massive be in the classroom energy. <laughs> very true. Except the bee was the most famous bee in the world. Punching and attacked another, another also famous bee. <laughs> what do you what do you think of the slap? Did you enjoy it? Uh I don't know. I like obviously the correct thing you meant to say is um it's terrible to be violent like that in public and not have to have control over your emotions. Um but you know, a little part of my brain also thinks you know, it must grind you down going to these things which are on the surface a celebration of you and your craft and you have to keep like hearing quite lame digs in in all these little intro comedy bits and it eventually must be like, you know what, this is like someone making fun of me at my birthday, you wouldn't want it. I wouldn't (laughs) slap them, but you wouldn't want it. (laughs) I just, the whole thing just blew blew open for me, like how I just suddenly had this real... (laughs) moment of awareness of how miserable probably 90% of celebrities are mm. it's, uh, it's it's quite an, it's quite a good humanizing moment though because at that moment when you see people in the room who are looking shocked they go from being like these are celebrities to like these are actually kind of all technically work colleagues and the oscars <laughs> the oscars turned into just a very glitzy office for like all of one minute where you're like you would you would sit at your desk being like, bloody hell, did you just see that? Um, <laughs> and I like that. That's that's a genuine reaction. There was a meme doing the round, well, not a meme, like a a, th- a tweet that was doing the rounds of like a grid of celebrities reacting. Sadly, it's like nonsense and it's pulled from previous shows. But I do like the idea of just like a very surprised Meryl Streep and The Rock looking <laughs> slightly concerned. You could sort of see who is who in the office. Matt Damon's like, this is awesome. I can't believe I'm seeing this. Um, yeah, what I loved was um, uh, Ashley retweeted this and it, I, I found it in the middle of the night and was laughing for about 10 minutes. The Jason Bateman face was exactly like the face of the incredibly excited werewolf from the poster for Hotel Transylvania 3, (laughs) A Monster Vacation. It is uncanny. And, like, this is very special to us because we've been laughing at the face of that wolf for several years now. We passed a giant cutout of it in the cinema and we couldn't get past it without just belly laughing. It's such a weird bit of uh, of character design. I need to see this weird face. Yeah, it's, it's the poster for Hotel Transylvania 3, A Monster Vacation, and it's very funny as well. Because um, we, we did end up watching the movie while bored, ironically on a cruise, and because the, the, the ship is about, uh, the film is about Hamahara monsters going on a cruise ship. Uh, and the wolf was actually an extremely morose, downtrodden character. Right. Which we hadn't been led to expect. Hmm. Well, and he, Jason Bateman is channeling him. Yeah, this is it. There we go, yeah. folks. Go watch. Uh, that's my recommendation for this week. <laughs> I'll save that one in the bag. See you after the intro sting. everyone and welcome to this the electronic wireless show rock paper shotguns ostensible pc gaming podcast uh i am oh and the only podcast you need in the opinion of alice bell uh but not your opinion no um alice obviously isn't here this week she's moving uh for followers of the plot of this show um (laughs) Well, no, she's moving to Ireland this week. 
so it's the boys, uh, not um, you know the from the nihilist superhero telly uh, show. <laughs> it, it's me, Nate Crowley, and this fellow, Matthew Castle. Hello, hello. Uh, only you're not Matthew Castle this week. Uh, you're. <laughs> I'm really good at doing this, aren't I? You're Mike <laughs> TV. Um, yeah. Wasn't he one of the child villains? <laughs> yeah. After that was, Willy Wonka story. He was the one who was obsessed with TV, and then he gets put in a TV, and they shrink him down, and then they can't shrink him, they can't grow him back. Roald Dahl didn't understand how electronics worked, really, did he? Well, it was it was like Willy, it was Wonka vision. It was something beyond television. <laughs> <laughs> Secrets too terrible to be allowed into the consumer market. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, that kid was super obnoxious, though. Yeah, they deserve a good smack. And I thought, I thought that when right, I was a well. child. <laughs> Crikey! Uh, well, that's what my mum would say. <laughs> we weren't smacked a lot as children, if at all. But um, the phrase "deserve a good smack." <laughs> No, definitely, it's, it's got a heft to it. It floats around the threat of violence. Did you it's, feel sorry for any of those kids, though? Uh, I mean, they're so awful. I mean, the thing is, Augustus Gloop, I obviously see like a lot of myself in him. Like, that's just the kid who's just greedy and loves chocolate, and you take him to a chocolate factory, and of course he's going to overindulge. I mean... Yeah, I felt pretty bad <laughs> for him, because like, his, his greatest sin was just really liking... Chocolate. That's the thing. Wonka no. just made too good a product. Because the other ones don't seem to... They're just into the concept of, like, more, but not specifically chocolate. Well, Gus's Gloop is... He's just about that. Yeah, that's like sort of inviting Jay Rayner to a restaurant opening and then just, like, shooting him in the gut with a Luger <laughs> for ordering, like, two starters. You know, come on, the guy loves food. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you Doesn't know, deserve obliteration. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he's that bad. A traumatic. Who is the worst? And they're not deaths, but you know, they're changed forever. Those children. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Isn't one of them like held into a furnace? I'm I'm pretty sure there's no coming out from that one. Oh, the bad egg girl. Veruca, Veruca Salt gets. There you go. Yes, she she gets she gets dropped down. I this might be different in the book. I'm purely going off the film here because it's sort of overridden any memories I have of it. But um, she gets dropped down a bad egg shoot, and um, Violet Beauregard is the one who turns into the blueberry, which is kind of a rough deal. Isn't it a black currant? Black currant. No, I'm just I don't of Ribena. She's she's big and round and blue and juicy. <laughs> <laughs> That is one big juicy girl. <laughs> that is what I would say. Do you and remember it... there was a terrible sequel to Chocolate Factory? Not a film. No, it never got made. The book, it. yeah, there's the, well, the great, isn't it? The Great Glass Elevator. Yeah, it's deeply bad. I could, I don't even know what it does. Isn't doesn't the doesn't the elevator just take him to like fantasy lands? No, they go to space, and there's all this baffling Cold War stuff going on. <laughs> And like an American space hotel and like the president and <laughs> these big amoebas that can turn into letters and swallow people and stuff. And it's really good now that sort of Roald Dahl is, you know, massively out of fashion because he was a horrible anti-Semite. Mm. Uh, because I can now just talk freely about how much I detest a lot of his work. Like, I really liked it when I was a kid, but because I had that sort of you know, eerie, amoral bloodthirstiness that, that mm. you know, all kids have before they, you know, evolve from beasts into people. Mm. Um, but, you know, a lot of nasty <laughs> stuff in those books. Yeah, he keeps a lot of that hidden in the first one in terms of you've won the chocolate factory, that's fantastic. But if he sort of couched it in a language of, and now we've got to go and negotiate ourselves out of the Cold War. <laughs> I don't think Charlie would be up for that. It's, yeah, it's, it's a strange thematic jump. It's a, po- a poison chalice. Willy Wonka's like, right, now I can tell you, now that you've got you've won, I can tell you the real truth about what, what this is all about, and it ain't involved chocolate, let me tell you that. 
unless we can make the perfect bag of Skittles, Russia is going to launch its entire arsenal. (laughs) That red telephone on your desk is made of nougat. Enjoy! (laughs) The stakes have never been higher. Did you enjoy the um the recent film the the um not the seventies one but the one with Johnny Depp and stuff? Uh I liked some of the, like the production design and some of the kind of it's a good fit for Tim Tim Burton, but like Johnny Depp's Wonka is is quite off putting and unpleasant. There's a good little um Kevin Eldon cameo as a very pretentious dog walker at the start. That's all I really remember about that film, is he walks past the factory and he says something snooty. If you uh, if you called called up uh, him on a telephone, would you be giving him an Elden Ring? Yeah, yeah. Let's do the main bit of the podcast. Let's do it. <laughs> now, see, Alice will be really disappointed in me. I completely beefed it there. We were just talking about a film. <laughs> Uh, and so instead, I just swerved into a really bad game pun, yeah, uh, and then just just abruptly transitioned to now. Um, <laughs> so let's pretend that I did a really smooth segue because today, folks, the reason you're Mike TV is because we're going to be talking about adapting games into telly series. Uh, and in fact, but I should say the title of the episode it is the best games to adapt into a TV show. And the reason I was so insistent on saying the title formally is because it's episode 180. Oh, yeah. Nice. Been waiting a week to do that. It was as every bit as as good as I hoped it would be. I don't even like darts. I don't think I've ever watched darts. My dad just compulsively roared the words 180 whenever the number came up in our lives. He didn't like darts either. It's just like a curse being passed down my family. Yeah, I'm, I'm not big into darts. My uh, grandma had a dartboard in her garage, but me and my brother were a lot more interested in what else in the garage we could embed darts into. So like throwing darts and accidentally missing the dartboard so you could sort of get it in the handle, you know, the wooden handle of a trowel or something. <laughs> oh, I bet there was some really good like thudding and clunking noise. Oh, yeah. We things. thudded darts into so much of uh, Grandma's uh, private property. <laughs> you ever launched a scale electric car out of a window? Oh, uh, I can't say I have. Oh, yeah. We got a knackered scale electric from a, a boat fair. And so I just set it up, like lent the track on a chair with an incredibly tight hairpin bend that the car couldn't go around at full speed and put it next to an open window, just slammed it on full acceleration, just launched launched a car wow. into the garden over and over again. What more do you want from life? Well, I went in the pond eventually. Oh. Then you scare electrics no more. So the reason uh, the reason I suggested doing tele adaptations as a theme, apart from, of course, friend of the show uh, Henry Vitamin H Cavill uh, and his blockbuster Witcher series, uh, was they they've done a Halo tele series that came out last week. Have you have you seen any of it? I haven't. I don't know if you can watch it in the UK. No, I haven't seen I it. Think either. It's banned. <laughs> Yeah, this is for just the extreme violence. Yeah. Um, um, I well, can't... This, this is terrible. Neither of us have seen it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't I... it meant to be rubbish, though? I would imagine it would be. Like, I'm not a big Halo story guy. You know, I'm not particularly into the lore of Halo. Some of the iconography is quite cool, but, you know, I don't particularly care to know more about, like, what Master Chief's deal is. So the idea... Like, I think he takes his helmet off, right? Like, you see his face? Isn't that in oh, it? Oh, no. I think he's just got a face and he's just like wisecracking. They've done a Mandalorian. Yeah, or maybe they have to... Well, actually saying that, like, like on paper, the Mandalorian doesn't speak to me at all. I'd be like, oh, why would I want to see this thing about this sort of grunting monosyllabic space warrior? And actually, that that did work. 
like it was almost so simple that it kind of I don't know why it worked. Why does the Mandalorian work? Well, funnily enough, because I, I remember doing a basically a post article at the time um, on RPS, but it's just like a fairly generic first-person RPG made into a TV show. Mm. Like especially the first season, where he's you know he's got a quest hub, which is the Razorback. Um, and you know he there are there are several defined planetary locations that he travels between, like receiving quests from people, dealing with them, and then getting a reward. Like he, he keeps going back to that lass who makes him like new metal gloves. Oh and yeah, and it yeah it it felt very much like playing an RPG, but without the use of my hands at times. And if you like to watch other people play RPGs, which I quite quite do, uh, that that's pretty good watching. That is. Mm. So maybe yeah, maybe Halo could work. I think Mandalorians changed the rules a little bit of like what can work on TV. Like there's a lot of s- simple game narratives. I would have said no, but you know maybe maybe you can do Halo Man right. And well, from what, to- what I've read about it, I don't think. They, I think they go in the absolute opposite direction from that. What really baffles me is apparently they're using like an alternate version of the law. Okay. I, I do like the Halo law, not loads, but I do. I, I like the Covenant, the aliens in it. I think they're quite cool. And yeah, a lot of the rest of the law is 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 okay. I like you. I'm not that actually interested in Chief. Hmm. You know, because he's like a rubbish version of Space Marines off of Warhammer, which is my job. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he's a bit of a busman's holiday, law-wise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they've been using apparently like like an alternate timeline or something, uh, which oh. just seems like a really strange decision to me. And I suppose it makes sense if you want to you know, like explore the backstory without contradicting stuff in the game. It saves you having to do any continuity checks and stuff. But mm. it also seems like a weird idea if people are going to watch it and then be interested in going to play the games only oh, to I... discover that everything's different. Yeah. I think the way to do that that world, or to do maybe game shows in general, is to... And again, this takes a cue from The Mandalorian, is to take a sort of set stories in the margins of like a better known story where you have like the sort of the the scent you know like mandalorian feels like it's kind of happening around the kind of legendary figures who you know from the films so when they occasionally pop in you're like oh wow it's that guy or it's luke skywalker that's exciting um you know and he feels like he's he's not like the main event where in video games you often are and i think the same like you could do something in in the Halo universe where you have a, a few more relatable people and it's about like the drama of living in the Halo universe. And occasionally you maybe get to see Master Chief or, you know, that's like your big exciting thing is, you know, in this season it'll end with you'll you'll see Master Chief do something awesome in person and that'll be that'll be like the big payoff for it, rather than here he is, the main event the whole time. You don't really want that. Um, I yeah, I really like you know, peripheral stuff. Because, mm. like, with Star Wars, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I used to be when I was a kid, but, you know, it, it, it's kind of stale for me now. Um, but I do have a soft spot for the setting way mm. more than for the characters and stuff. Like, I, I just, I really like the spaceship aesthetics. I like the goofy aliens. You know, the, there's there's a lot of general aesthetic and atmosphere in it than I that I enjoy. And the Mandalorian was just a guy romping around all of that. And you know, some of the sort of more obscure stuff that came up in like the Star Wars books I read when I was a teenager sort of got dredged up again for the series and stuff. And and that was that was it. I was getting second helpings of all the things I liked about Star Wars. Yeah. I guess with Halo it, it it is for a lot of people, it's just Master Chief. Mm. Really, I mean, I personally, like I say, I really like. I, I would love a show about grunts, like, <laughs> yeah. and it's called grunts. 
<laughs> That's yeah, the just, name of the yeah. show. <laughs> just a, a sitcom about little aliens <laughs> who look like individual segments of Toblerone getting frightened. <laughs> like that would happen if the Halo show was massive and they start splitting it off into like lots of other shows. You would definitely get that. Because aren't there? Isn't like Star Trek now so big that there's shows set? You know, there's like cartoons set in like the engineering bay of one of the ships and all this kind of stuff. There's yeah, oh yeah, it's like lower decks or below decks, something or... like that. Yeah, you can kind of push into that territory once you've kind of nailed the main event. You can do that. Actually, then let's use this as our angle of approach on mm-hmm. games to turn into TV series. So, which TV, which game? would you choose to take the peripheral characters of basically the setting of and make into a TV show that, you know, features a a very, very tangential cameo from the main character? Well, so the one I was actually thinking about was Hitman. So the thing with Hitman is I think a show about Hitman would be, you'd struggle because he's quite monosyllabic and it's just him killing a lot of people. And I don't want to find out that he's actually like troubled or decent. Like, I don't really care. Like in the game. Yeah, he's a nobody. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. Like whatever Hitman's like trauma is like that for me is the weakest part of Hitman. But I would love to have like a show a bit like Succession set in like the high powered world that Hitman like preys upon. And it's more about like the kind of the universe of like uber comedy like corporate villains and the kind of but the tension of the show is there is someone who's kind of out to get us like what is it to kind of exist in a in a state where you are such a rotter or you are part of such a rotten sort of uh, organization that any moment this guy could sort of come in and and off you and so there's like there'd be a kind of dark comic tension like a cast you know cast members would regularly be removed because they're getting assassinated and you'd be able to have that globe trotting element of it. So I think a kind of a hitman show, which is about the people hitman's after would be, I think that would be quite compelling. Oh, so it'd be almost like a monster movie. Yeah. Ian Hitman is the monster. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a season long uh, slasher pick set in high society where like every, every, every couple of episodes, like a member of the cast gets off and it's like, who can survive? Can anyone fight Hitman? What I would love as well is if it was... Because the problem is a lot of sort of Hollywood stuff that's set in that sort of world is quite fawning and sycophantic to, like, the elite. Mm. Um, it's always presented as being just as glamorous as it looks and, you know, everyone's super witty and charming and sexy and stuff. Whereas I'd really like to see, as you said, something focusing on that world from their point of view but like written with the same sort of attitude as the thick of it, mm. where it's about people in the corridors of power, but everything's quite pathetic. Mm. And, you know, as soon as they're, they're sort of off the public stage, they're sort of flailing and swearing yeah. at each other. Or like, that would be really fun. How fast that level of society crumbles once you introduce like a really creative maniac killer into it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, because you can also then like, I think you could still have big nods. To, you could have episodes where you kind of recreate certain locations and then it becomes almost like a final destination because you're looking around and you're like, well, I recognize a lot of this stuff. Like, you know, I killed someone with that and I killed someone with that and like, oh, don't go in the malfunctioning art installation or whatever. Um, oh, yeah. And when you saw the wine press, it would be like Chekhov's minigun, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think that would be an awesome show and get around the problem of like not having to sort of humanize or come up with a psychology for, for agent 47. If he is just a, a psychotic bloke, well, he yeah, turns up. Functionally, he'd be like a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> just this blank eyed beast that appears to decimate people and then vanishes again. <laughs> I think that's good. I'm amazed that show hasn't been, hasn't been pitched and commissioned. I'm up for that. Wasn't there a Hitman movie with old uh, Timothy Allen? That's the thing, but again, it it tries to give him like a bit more, you know, it's a bit like like a crap version of Leon or something where it's kind of, or what happens if a a Hitman, you know, he's asked to kill a child or something and then he realises actually he wants to be nice and you're like, well, I'm not really interested in that. Like it's it's a really sour world, Hitman. And it's about him killing, like, he's quite unpleasant. He's obviously a horrible murderer, but he's killing, like, 
like grade A assholes. And I think if you ever stray from that core idea, it's it's just not Hitman anymore. So an idea I want to chuck in because obviously the you know the 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 natural targets for adaptation are protagonist driven stuff, and so that's one interesting way around it. I th- I think doing. Yeah, making the protagonist your antagonist. I would love to see a Dungeon Keeper sitcom. Because that's a game with no real protagonist, just like RTS units. Um, mm. But what was charming about Dungeon Keeper, you know, and would have made it like really enjoyable, even if it wasn't also mechanically a good game, uh, was just all of like the, the fun, weird goblins and stuff. Uh, and certain monsters would hate other monsters and would fight each other in the corridors and you had like invading hordes of heroes who were just like faceless goons which I thought was really fun Mm. and yeah I don't know you you would have to have a protagonist Mm. of sorts in the same way that like well talking about The Office again you know that's an ensemble show if ever there was one but like Tim and Dawn are the main people Mm. Um, so whether, I don't know, could you actually have the dungeon keeper who the player is as the character, uh, in it? Because the problem is in the game, you were just a hand right, <laughs> reaching down from the sky in a disembodied fashion, sort of pluck people but around. A, surely that, that, surely though, they would turn it into just a straight officer like, or like Parks and Rec or something. There'd be so many people who just want the dungeon keeper to be a David Brent type character i would imagine and i think oh the problem is thinking about it now actually i'm turning myself off the idea because <laughs> the whole thing has just got the real feeling of a raid shadow legends advert on youtube <laughs> do you know what i mean just yeah, like yeah, big yeah. cgi like orcs just <laughs> talking about their boring jobs it feels oh sorry the sidebar have you noticed mobile game adverts getting weirder and weirder for about the last two years i mean there's those there's those weird ones where it's like a like a like a 2d cross-section puzzle of trying to save some gold for some lava and then it's actually like some town building game <laughs> oh ebony the king's return all that stuff is very confusing <laughs> but i I really miss the old, worse versions of those adverts because I don't. Because like the algorithm has twigged some basic things about me, it throws Ebony adverts at me about three times per video that I watch. <laughs> so I've got to know them very well, and I used to like them better because when the man like beefed it and didn't get the treasure, he would go no. And it was such a good sound effect. I would start saying it when I was disappointed in real life. Yeah. No. Sometimes those adverts, I they work too well in that I would play the made-up game they show. I'd be like, I would definitely play this weird physics puzzler, but I won't play the, you know, the free-to-play town building yeah. game. You never know what you're going to actually get. Yeah. My favourite ones at the moment are the ones where you've got very eloquent, very bad actors reading a nearly incomprehensible script very professionally. Right. <laughs> oh, I see you're playing Bloodmasters 93 again. Well, I have 10 million gold and four Brutus the Banqueters. <laughs> Yes, well, I bet you don't have the screwdriver of laughs. And yeah, it, <laughs> they're really high production values on, in everything apart from the script they've been written with. And uh, I, I love to think of what the, the green lighting process was for them. I must admit, I actually, I subscribe to YouTube to get rid of the adverts. Whoa. And so I'm, I'm not, I've, I haven't seen a YouTube advert in a long time, so I don't know what, what the current ones are doing the rounds, but I was just, I got sick of bombarded by these like sort of teenagers sort of sitting around in like a, sort of sw- a swimming pool or in their like private gym. And they're rather nonchalantly telling you how they made millions in, in whatever pyramid scheme that they're trying to sort of sell oh, you. Oh, yeah. But they're filmed in, like, one take on a mobile phone. <laughs> and you're like, what is this? Tr-? Like, 
Is it trying to act very sort of laid back so you think, oh, well, this is probably legit. Look how budget this is. Or I just don't really know what they're going for. Like, who falls for that? Oh, it's moved on now. The Pyramid Schemes now are sold by people who be like, hello, I'm Lester Bumshoes, and I've decided to put my mega guide to trading online just for you. It's totally free. It's no kind of a scam. All you need to do is go to this link, and you could be sitting in the Cayman Islands like I am right now, eating a live ox's heart. And- <laughs> the thing is, if you ever follow the... If you actually go through and follow some of these and see what the get-rich-quick scheme is, which is probably why I get served so many of them, or I used to get served so many of them, is because I clicked on one link one time. And it was basically two teenage brothers, and their whole scam was like, I think it was taking like out-of-copyright out of books and printing like cheap e-books to sell to libraries or something. <laughs> And it was like, is this really your scheme? And they're like, yeah, basically, all you have to do is like print like a million copies of Dickens and then you'll be a millionaire. And I was like, this can't be right. I kind of respect that in a weird way. (laughs) It was not what I was expecting. Like, I thought it was going to be a real like, hey, you know, you sell this to five friends and then they sell it to five friends. It's like, no, their get rich quick scheme really was like become a private book printing business. (laughs) That's quite creative. Yeah. I More like, power to them. Enjoy your millions, my friends. You've earned them. <laughs> On the subject of Dungeon Keeper and God Games, maybe like similar to the kind of game adjacent TV adaptation, like the idea of a game set in a, like the what it's like to live in a world where a god changes things and builds things and like changes the landscape maybe that's the way to do like building games oh like, like, and there'd be no sort of like mysticism to it it would just be like oh he's at it again yeah. and a massive hand would move the church so it's just like a very serious domestic drama but it is in sim city and like just the layout of the whole place can just constantly change and you have to like you're not only dealing with you know the emotional issues of the day but also whatever mad stuff has just happened overnight wait so you'd play it straight is what you're saying uh yeah i think so like i don't know if just the thing about them screeching that like they wake up and they now live in a skyscraper or their house has been demolished and turned into a car park or something i don't know there's comedy in that i would probably i think there's more drama if you play it straight yeah i can see well there's more bathos as well because you could have a really serious moment and then just like a giant spectral bulldozer flattens, you know, <laughs> eight square miles around the hero's house yeah. for no reason. It's never explained. But that's but maybe like I'd even hold back the Sim City twist for like a few episodes, so it's deadly straight. So it almost lures you into forgetting that that's what this show's going to be about. And then when it finally happens, you'd be like, oh yeah. <laughs> this is like I forgot they kind of live in Inception City that can kind of just do whatever it wants. That would be fun. Oh man, I really wish Alice was here now because I've just realised The Sims would be an incredible horror anthology series. <laughs> so like every episode would be about a seemingly normal family or you know someone living in like a bachelor pad by themselves. And it would start as an ordinary narrative, but as time would go on, it would become apparent that there was a sinister external force <laughs> at work, just like arbitrarily changing the parameters of these people's lives. Mm. That should have been that you could make a Black Mirror episode, which is basically the Anthony Hopkins dementia drama, The Father, but the twist is it's it's just a game of The Sims at the end. And then Anthony, yeah, the camera pans out and Anthony Hopkins is at the computer. (laughs) Well, I I suppose we all had quite a terrible fright there, didn't we? (laughs) Winks. Is that a large cursor behind you? Perhaps it's just to trigger the light. Sweet dreams. There is actually, um, have you ever seen the Ryan Reynolds film, The Nines? No. I can't really tell you what, what's special about it without spoiling it, but for listeners to this podcast, if you go and watch that, it's, it is 
like a straight drama where things get weird and there is a video game angle to it. That's um, interesting. Yeah. It's when almost did this like, come out? Yeah, it came out like, I don't know, 10 to 15 years ago. It's like early Reynolds. What was that one he did? Didn't he do something recently about being a video game NPC? Oh, yeah, that was Free Guy. I hated that. <laughs> oh, was it bad news? Well, that was like, the concept was what happens if you're an NPC in basically like a Grand Theft Auto world. So he's got this like daily routine where he gets like robbed by players. But I just fa- I found the game, and this is this maybe is just being like too too nerdy and precious about video games. I just found the game very very un- unconvincing and like tonally incoherent. So it completely undermined the theory. Like it was like GTA, but it's also a family film, so it's all quite bloodless and safe, which isn't right. Like, the joke is either you live in this brutal GTA hell world where you're getting murdered by, like, kids constantly, or you're living in this kind of cartoony, safe world, which, like, no kid in their right mind would play. It was, like, it was it was too too good to be, like, a weird Roblox kind of world and too kind of naff to be an actual GTA game. And for some reason, the, the placement of that world just completely took me out of the film. I was like, this isn't any game. No game would be like this. It's... It's it's not sweet or horrible enough. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Sometimes I think Hollywood stuff about games falls flat because, oh, yeah, it just does sound really nerdy to criticise these <laughs> right. things on these grounds. But it's like, well, if it's not internally consistent as a satire of games, you know, if, if it doesn't feel like the game has definable rules that work, the whole gimmick kind of breaks yeah and then but like some people like i've seen some gaming people on twitter like legit rate it because it's got this weird sub story about you've got the drama in the world and then you've got the the developers of the game outside the world and the idea is that it's been taken over by this quite trashy company who are basically like wrecking it with like microtransactions but like the at the core of this game like the the base engine or something was like designed as this weird little indie kind of walking simulator and so the get the film tries to do this strange kind of like bigger storyline about kind of triple a blockbusters versus the kind of independent spirit of like bedroom programmers and it's just trying to do a little bit too much but like i say this this world design none of it ever really clicked i don't think it ever really had a stance because it seemed to be that like indie developers good big games companies are bad but and a light spoiler alert at the end of the film he basically ryan reynolds becomes this like ip monster where he uses like he uses all this stuff from like disney and marvel films to save the day and actually a message at the end of the film is um huge giant franchises are awesome but at the same time it's trying to be like but we love the indie guy. And you're like, well, you're either one or the other. Like it's, these things don't really go together. I just have no idea what that film's actually about. It's very confusing for a family entertainment. <laughs> yeah. There's an anti recommend. Yeah. I hated it. I, I, I tweeted about it and this random dude, he doesn't even follow me. He's like, and in his profile, it said he was a, like a, like a lead designer at quite a big studio. Kind of gave me grief about being snooty about it, and it's like if you think this is good, anything you make is going to be bad. Like I will never play your games. Like you're an idiot, and I can't believe someone like you is in a position of power in a game studio. Like it's a huge yikes from me that you like this film and you make games. But there you go. Well, nice one, Matthew. We're not getting an Alabaster Titan cameo from him. In <laughs> f- free guy, <laughs> free guy too. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds is like, I need tights <laughs> at the end. Uh, no, uh, I doubt he listens to this podcast. So, well, Ryan Reynolds, this mystery developer. <laughs> no, Ryan Reynolds uh, does though. He he sits down with uh, Vitamin H to listen to us every week. Hmm. Um, I was going to ask, sort of gaming related, just because there's so many games based on it. Yeah. Why, why has there never been a Warhammer TV show or film? Well, there is now. Oh, okay. Um, well, there we go. <laughs> what, so I've got to be careful what I say here. Games Workshop decided to start a streaming service of their own right. called Warhammer Plus. And I subscribe to it. And it's like they're doing several animated series for it. 
Right. And they're good. Like I'm I'm really impressed by them. The problem was they started they opened the streaming service for subscriptions, started pushing for subscriptions before much of the content was made. So it was it was really underpopulated for a while. So there was quite a big stink about it because Game Workshop has a lot of fans whose main hobby rather than painting Warhammer, is getting angry about Warhammer. And so they right. got really angry that there wasn't enough stuff on the subscription service. And so I think <laughs> it got quite a lot of of gripes early on just because of the timing being a bit mismatched. Right. Um, but the shows are pretty good. Um, okay. I think it's a tricky one for TV format because there is so much backstory Right, and uh, my my conceit is that you know Warhammer is a is a setting rather than a story. Yeah, um, and that the you know you don't need to know anything about it, or you shouldn't need to know anything about it to jump in and enjoy a story because there's just it's a big aesthetic toolkit of like weird horrible things. Mm. So in that basis, I think it would be really good for because the thing about warhammer plus it's for for fans right a a mass market tv show would be throwing people in at the deep end or i think it should be throwing people in at the deep end because if the story is engaging enough it's kind of like dune right doesn't explain itself very much at all right if you hadn't read dune and went to go and see dune the movie i'd be really interested to see how it would feel it was okay. Oh, it worked for oh, me. You hadn't you hadn't read the book? No, no. Oh well, there you go. Well, it, like I understood the the like raw emotional stakes of it, and it's just big vibes, really. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, you know, maybe there's some like specifics to the politics or whatever that that kind of passes me by, but I, I understood enough. I, I wasn't sitting there going like, "Who he?" So <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I I hoped the experience would be, and yeah. yeah, I think like a good 40k adaptation would do that. So you'd be like, well, I I, I suppose I, I suppose that that that's a giant two headed bird with a magic staff <laughs> fighting this robot with glowing just, just green eyes. With it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the Warcraft film? I loved it. Oh, okay. Me and Alice are like the only two humans alive. Who will defend that movie to death? <laughs> I th- look. I thought it was really sincere, and mm. you know, it, it said everything with its chest in a really like big nineteen eighties way. It felt like a big eighties fantasy movie with modern CGI. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was just—it's a film out of its time, basically. Mm. I guess I'm we really sad they won't be seeing a, a live act because you'd think, you know, it, at the moment everyone is, you know, that the hunt is on for the next Game of Thrones is basically the the the, the cliche that gets thrown around a lot. And you'd think if you're looking for established IPs with like big fan bases, video games would be like your number one destination. Also, let's do something a little bit dirty and genuinely tackle the subject of this podcast then. If, <laughs> if you had your pick of the world's directors and actors, infinite money mm. to, to invest, and, you know, Big Jeff or John Netflix, you know, or what, one of the other magnets is, is telling you, look, you've got to pick our next winner, and mm. you can just have any IP... And any amount of money to throw at it, but you've got to choose the best game for the job. Uh, I'd actually, and this is probably just based on my personal tastes. I think we've had enough, like, serious fantasy in terms of Thrones. You know, we've got the upcoming Lord of the Rings. There was Wheel of Time. Um, I'd quite like someone to to make a an epic an epic fantasy with the kind of tone and flavor of. Uh, the fable universe. Okay, I like that. Like a very, like a uh, not, not. I wouldn't do it just as a straight comedy. You know, I wouldn't just go like this is just a comedy show. It would still, it would have dramatic stakes, and there are stakes in, uh, you know, in, in in fable. There's a lot of like you know moral choices and all this. But I like that kind of slightly more down to earth sort of Britain once removed vibe of of Albion. You know, it has. 
enough like lore buried in it. But the thing I've always loved about Fable is it kind of has lore, but it's also an RPG from the kind of perspective of like a more realistic perspective of what it's like to live in an RPG world. You know, it's people aren't just big lore dumps. Like most people have kind of forgotten it or it's like buried in books. No one really cares. It's more about like, what's it like being in a, in a, a peasant in one of these worlds. And that's kind of the, the, the approach I'd probably take with the show as well. Yeah, I think that would be good. And you'd still have your big CGI monster moments. And yeah, stuff like yeah, that. It's, it's got all that stuff. It's just it wouldn't be. It doesn't have daft names. You know, they they just give everything sort of silly names, and and the way they talk about it is quite kind of human and grounded. That's what I like about Fable, anyway. Well, yeah, because the same sort of ambition that would go into like adapting a Discworld novel could go into that without yeah. the risk of like ruining a Discworld story. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's a bit safer. Like, the stories themselves aren't... Like, no one really is, is in love with the individual stories of those games, but it's a it's a vibe in a world. Um, the, the only other one I would say is, in, is, is up there, and this is more like when I was a kid, I always used to dream of this thing existing one day would be a um, something in the Monkey Island universe. Yeah, actually, to be fair, that could work really well. Would you do... I mean... Isn't that just an atmosphere one step removed from Pirates of the Caribbean? It, it is, but I think Pirates of the Caribbean is a bit too like gritty and serious, you know. Like, and admittedly, other people have done comedy. There's a new pirate comedy thing, isn't there, with um, the, the the New Zealand dude, um, is it Tiger? What's his name? Oh, Ty- Taika Waititi's doing one. Well, it's on. It's on HBO now. Yeah, they've got. Uh, is it our flag means death? Is it? It's, a, it's, oh. like, it's like a comedy Blackbeard thing, I think. So is it kind of like the what we do in yeah. the Shadows of Pirates? Yeah, basically. Oh, and on what platform can I find that? Matthew? I think that's on Now, now TV. I think it's on Sky. Oh, I'll snap that up. Thank yeah. you. Um, so maybe like comedy Pirates accounted for, but I just like... Like the, I like the artistic style of Monkey Island. I love the, you know, it has those sort of Caribbean islands that they kind of move between and there's different stories on different islands. I think it's a good, like, sort of self-contained universe, but with lots of places you can go and visit and explore. Um, like a crew on a ship is a just a, a natural ensemble. Yeah, I think that could really work. It's a good shout. I've just realised it's time for us to go down to the caverns, so I won't be able to pitch my own. So I'll just say um, <laughs> Fight Crab. Great. Uh, the game Fight Crab, which is a beat-em-up uh, where you play as a crab. If, if Yeah, that I think would be the most commercially sensible decision <laughs> I could make for a prestige uh, Game of Thrones replacement. Would they be voiced by celebs? Yes. All of them by Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Would the well, show no, be called Anthony Hopkins' Fight Crab? <laughs> oh, welcome to Anthony Hopkins' Fight Crab. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Pincers of Violence. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be telling you some stories of the fights I've had against other crabs. <laughs> so settle down. Uh, settle, settle on a nice, fresh corpse at the bottom of the sea. And begin to feast. <laughs> I'd watch it. crabs relax. Seven seasons on HBO, commissioned in an instant. Six series and a movie. <laughs> right, should we go to the cavern? Let's do it. The Cavern of Lies! Hello, welcome to the Cavern of Lies. Oh, it's good to be here. Place um, is looking good. Yeah, you find yourself in kind of an uh, like an old-fashioned games arcade. And what's interesting about this game's arcade is that we only have fictional games that appeared in TV shows. Mm. So uh, none of these games exist in real life, but they all existed in games. And for the concept of this cavern, we've made them all real. But someone, um, and you may be able to guess I haven't done much lore for this episode, someone has rigged up some fake, fake games and hidden them amongst the real fake games. And um, let's just say those those arcade cabinets, they're very badly made. They were made in a rush, and they'd electrocute you if you use them. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got three coins, which are uh, 
amounts to three credits in these games. You you can play three of five games and basically need to avoid the two, which are bogus because they'll electrocute you for the reasons I've already outlined. But this is brilliant lore. This is like better than the Wreck-It Ralph sequel. Oh, well, I am literally pulling this out of my ass. So. <laughs> okay, so we're going to do this like sudden death rules. So I'm choosing game, game after game. And if I can make it through the three correct ones without dying, I've won. Yeah, we can do it that way. Yeah, I fancy a risk. Let's go. I think I'll be good at this one. Okay, so first up, uh, we've got Punky Pong, which appeared in the show Bones. I'm going to say I haven't watched a lot of these shows, so if I'm a little light on the details, don't take that as a lie. It's just that I I don't know the show very well. It's convenient disclaimer, Matthew. Punky Pong in Bones. Um, This is a Pong clone with a fruit-based power-up system kind of riffs on donkey kong 2 in that the the case for this game and it is an arcade game has a gorilla and an industrial worker on it so it's like donkey kong meets pong and it comes up as punky pong it appears in an episode of bones that seems to riff on the popular documentary uh, the king of kong which is about the two people competing to be the best donkey kong player and it's a it's a murder mystery where someone is killing off members of the competitive punky pong scene um okay that's actually very believable this is <laughs> troubling uh and uh they also as a little bit of trivia they actually made a flash version of punky pong uh that you could play to go along with the episode um but it's no longer available okay interesting when was this uh this was about like 2010 2009 yeah it checks out okay What's uh what's n- what's next in the arcade? Next up, we've got uh Home Run Hitter, which was an arcade cabinet baseball game that appeared in an episode of Cheers. Sam mm. Malone buys a baseball arcade machine to install in his bar, of course, which is Cheers. The regulars don't like the disturbance of the machine, but he likes the extra income from it. But he realizes that one of the in-game characters is based on him because Sam Malone was a, is an ex-baseball player in Boston, and uh, his in-game character has a very annoying catchphrase that people start quoting to him, so in the end, he decides to get rid of this uh, arcade machine, which is, is quite a basic-looking baseball game. It may even just be like NES Baseball reskinned or something. It's not, not a big focus of the episode. Okay. Oh, that does sound like a believable episode of Cheers as well. Oh, crikey, all right then. Cal- okay. oh, I'm suddenly not feeling so confident. <laughs> you were so confident. You were like, let's do it. Let's do the old death march. Yeah, I'm ready to die because I won't. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Gods of Combat, which featured in an episode of Criminal Minds. Um, in an episode of Criminal Minds, two gamers recreate their favorite game, Gods of Combat, by kidnapping a bus of teenagers. Um, the game, Gods of Combat, it sounds absolutely baffling. Um, the point of the game is to hijack a method of transportation, such as a bus or a subway car, to acquire hostages. The hostages then get put onto teams, and the player then has to use their team to destroy as many of their opponents as possible. So it's I, I can't even picture what genre this game fits into. It, it's 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 a Nate made it up game by the sound <laughs> of it, which means I reckon you've made it up. But it's so it's got like a, it's a two phase game that these sit that these two maniac gamers are like recreating for real. That's the deal with Gods of Combat. Okay, I find this one highly intriguing, and my confidence is returning. Okay, let's, let's continue. Uh, next up, we have uh, the hit BBC sitcom My Family. Uh, and there is an episode where one of his sons becomes addicted to a Second Life-esque game called Second Me. It's a very thinly veiled clone of Second Life. Uh, the dad of the family, played by Robert Lindsay, decides to try it out to better understand his kids' gaming habits and accidentally creates a weird hip-thrusting biker avatar called Mr. Tooth. The character becomes infamous in Second Me, for his hip thrusting animation and so he decides not to play the game anymore that's his storyline <laughs> that is such a bbc sitcom storyline okay i'm ready for the last one 
The last one is from the hit American sitcom Family Matters, and it is called Grandma Ninja. In the popular American sitcom Family Matters, there is a Mortal Kombat clone called Grandma Ninja. It has the same sort of digitized sprite art as Mortal Kombat, appears to be played on a SNES. Uh, In the scene that we see in the show, the characters include Cranky Ninja versus Grandma. And when Grandma hits him with his purse, her soundbite is, eat my purse. Eat my purse. Eat my purse. Eat my purse, he says. What year was this? Uh, this was like uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I think like late nineties. That's why the SNES thing's weird. The clip looks more modern than SNES. Hmm. <sighs> that one feels like Nightbite. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm gonna play Plunky Kong first because so I'm st- pretty sure that's real. You're gonna stick a credit into Punky Pong, and yeah. you would be right, Punky Pong does indeed exist. Well, in the show Bones, it does not exist for reals. So, okay, that's... So that's one down. So you're left with Home Run Hitter, Gods of Combat, Second Me, and Grandma Ninja. Ooh, I think Home Run Hitter's got to be next. It feels a safe bet. You put the credit into Home Run Hitter, and a lightning bolt of electricity strikes you in the face. How dare you! It that was, was such a safe bet. Uh, it's fake. <laughs> oh, can I come back to life if I can guess the other fake one? <laughs> you can come back to life if you can guess the other fake one. Excellent. Um, so you're left with Gods of Combat, Second Me, and Grandma Ninja. Gods of Combat can't be real, Matthew. Like, I'm, I'm prepared to die twice. <laughs> I'll be the twice dead king. <laughs> So available gonna, all good booksellers now. So someone someone else is going to put the credit in the machine on your behalf because you're obviously... Will you? Well, you're dead on the floor at the moment. I'd rather not. <laughs> I was trying to do like a Greek myth thing of like tricking you into... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will ask someone else to do it because I'm afraid Gods of Combat... Oh, wait. You thought it was fake? Yeah. It's real, I'm afraid. No! Yeah. Criminal Minds. I mean, I could have made this whole episode bad video games in crime shows because there's about five in each series of like CSI, Criminal Minds, Law and Order. When these shows do video games, it's like they've <laughs> never, no one has ever touched a video game on these shows. Someone has only vaguely explained the concept to them. Oh, let's, we should maybe do a show on this actually. <laughs> the, uh, the other fake one was, uh, it's the second life clone from my family. Really? Yeah. Mr. Tooth. Mr. Tooth. You see, I picked that because he plays... I thought you might ask me about it, and he plays a dentist in the show. Man. I had some, I had some like, deep lore prepared to get me out of that. Oh, but this is absolutely... <laughs> because you even said beforehand, like, oh, I don't really know the lore. Like, oh, ooh, layers upon layers. I'm impressed, Matthew Castle. Yeah, I'm a big Cheers I- fan. I th- maybe that's why that sounded re- like I, uh, you know... And I've never watched an episode of Cheers, so... It sounds like something that would happen in Cheers. Yeah, that, it, it fit my preconception of the show, so... What I was worried was you were going to ask me what the catchphrase was from Home Run Hitter, which I had written down... It's time for my magic ball. And <laughs> I worried that that might be the thing which broke it. <laughs> I'm really, I'm disappointed in myself that I just like basically sprinted into a room full of landmines. <laughs> <laughs> Barely asked anything. I just went on vibes. Sometimes not the best strategy. All right, then banish me to the afterlife. Yeah, it is done. Uh, which means I will leave this cavern of lies by myself. Well, thank you very much, Matthew, for that (laughs) absolutely brutal dose of hubris. Um, (laughs) And that about wraps it up for episode 180 of the Electronic Wireless Show, uh, the best games to adapt into TV series. Uh, all that remains is the old recommender Uh where we recommend something that isn't a PC game. Matthew, what's in what's in your nose bag? 
I've started watching uh, Station Eleven on Amazon Prime, which is a sort of post-apocalyptic. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe. It's got, it's got very, it's got really strange vibes. It basically cuts between a huge viral outbreak in 2020 and oh. and twenty decades in the future where everything's a little bit the last of us everything's kind of overgrown and it's about a traveling shakespeare theater company in this post-apocalyptic society and it's but it's constantly jumping between the past and the present there are big mysteries there seems to be a sort of slightly prophetic comic book in play which seems to sort of know things that are going to happen that connects into the past it's jumping around it's got a really interesting cast the first episode which kind of covers the viral outbreak is just it's just brilliantly done it's a really like gripping exciting pilot and you know if you're thinking it or it's a bit too soon like it's very sort of cinematically overblown it's a bit more like like it's they're making a tv show of the last of us and Mm. i actually think this has got big last of us energy and it would be i'd be surprised if the last of us was as good as this because it's really really top stuff did you ever see uh kevin costner's the postman <laughs> yeah i like the postman i genuinely liked that film <laughs> i thought it was really cool yeah um i stand by that yeah hey, no, that's, that, that can be our warcraft movie yeah yeah the post postman solid um yeah it's a bit more like rough and tumble than than the postman. I think if it was just about the Shakespeare troupe, I might not go for it because it's just a lot of like quite like annoying theatrical people. <laughs> 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 Which I, if if I was living in a bleak future society, I don't know if I'd want to like have a load of sort of jazz handing idiots in my face the whole time. A uh, bit like when the troupe of actors shows up in season three of Deadwood and almost sinks the show. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah it's kind of like that. <laughs> Oh, Brian Deadwood Cox. manages to be like <laughs> oh, that counts as post-apocalyptic almost. <laughs> yeah. uh, my recommendation this week. Um, uh, actually, I'm going to do a cheeky one and recommend something of mine, but only because it's really relevant to what we talked about. Mm. Me and uh, a long-term friend of mine, Josh Fortune, made an animated series uh, called Realms of Fighting. Uh, fighting spelt with an E at the end, uh, like it's pseudo-medieval. Warwick Davis is in it. Uh, Whoa! It, it was really good. Um, completely failed. Like, you know, a few people watched it, but it was around the time that it became very, very hard uh, to make any money off of YouTube. Uh, so we beefed it completely. But it was a really good show. Oh, wow. Well, how do I not know about this? Uh, I don't talk about it much because it was a catastrophic failure. Um, <laughs> but it's a shame because artistically uh, it was good. Josh is a great animator and uh, I I had real fun writing a... It was like a family-friendly but still quite weird script. And it's about uh, a man who basically uh, become, transforms himself into a, a level one character inside an MMO in order to avoid paying rent, uh, and then stays there, and it's about the developers trying to get him out. Uh, so you reminded me about it when you were talking about the Ryan Reynolds film. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Realms of Fighting. Wow. Um, Check it out. Let's get it fit. Let's, let's boost them YouTube hits. Oh, uh, do you know what? Yeah, time for a second win, boys. Let's, <laughs> let's go. Well, that's, uh, that's about all. Don't forget, we are... <laughs> panicking because we've lost uh, the paragraph of text <laughs> we were going to read at saying, this point. Don't forget and then forget what it was you were going to warn us about. Yeah, don't forget like I have. Um, <laughs> the uh, Electronic Wireless Show is uh, of course the podcast of Rock Paper Shotgun which you can find at rockpapershotgun.com uh, You can also find Rock Paper Shotgun on Twitter and Facebook and that's it. Yeah. And uh, oh, we got a Discord as well. Uh, if you somehow don't know about the EWS Discord, please 
come and join it. It's on the main Rock Paper Shotgun Discord, and I'm panicking again now because I don't really know how to instruct you to get into it, but I can tell you it's great in there. Um, we have lovely chats, and it's uh, a genuinely nice, buoyant community. There we go. I think that covers everything, doesn't it, Matthew? Oh, I think, I think, yeah, I think we've done a good job. This is surprisingly non-chaotic. High five. Uh, love you all. Bye. Bye.